Welcome into the Blazers Edge Podcast. I am your host, Danny Morang, and well, this is my, my new co-host. Hey, sweetheart. This is Dallas. Everybody's been wanting to see Dallas, so I figured I'd show her off. And uh, she's in a little bit of trouble right now because she just had a blowout in the living room, and I stole her away just in time before Mom got very angry. But this is Dallas Morang. This is the Chewini Poo that is so unbelievably and adorably cute and likes to give lots of loves. So for anybody not watching on video, turn on the video, for the love of God. She's amazing. Uh, for everybody else, enjoy. She has to go back to mom now before she gets in trouble. We'll back to the podcast in just a sec. <laughs> All right. Well, after a little bit of reshuffling, uh, I'm back. So as you can tell, a lot of changes. Um, obviously, the the new house, uh, half a studio set up here. Uh, oh, this is actually the temporary room uh, until I finish the actual studio. That's the uh, next big project on the list. Uh, slightly delayed, uh, because, well, puppy, uh, puppy makes it harder to do everything, that's at least, um, I opened it up last week and I had a podcast go bad, uh, file got corrupted, so, uh, I asked for questions in and I got a couple in, mostly around the puppy, uh, one from MJ, uh, why did you name him Dallas? Well, uh, it's a her, um, which I probably makes sense, but some of the thing was him named Dallas, uh, we were the pet store and uh it just kind of popped into my head um i threw it at my wife like hey what about dallas expecting to be rejected and she loved it so that's what we went with and that's what uh <laughs> gets said about thirty-seven thousand times a day uh as she goes into her wild puppy-like rhythms uh she does laps around the uh the wood floors of the house and skids around and then has blowouts, as puppies are wont to do, uh, which is making things uh, entertaining, I guess. So, speaking of blowouts, God, Joe would be proud of that transition. How about the Portland Trailblazers, right? Um, so let's roll things back a little bit because it's been a while. Let's let's go back to post trade deadline. Norman Powell, his integration into the team. Uh, I think overall, most of the stuff that's kind of been out there and been said it, it, it all tracks uh Powell's the better version of Gary Trent Jr. he's a main he's one of one of the few guys in the league who's actually a better three-point shooter uh deadly from the corners although that's the one place he's really struggled um so far and is what six games with the trailblazers now I should say I'm recording this uh Wednesday night before the jazz game so before the potential slaughter uh, I guess I'm maybe showing my hand a little bit there but uh Powell's been really good uh, the the analytics behind uh, his play matches the eye test. The individual defense is significantly better with him on the floor. Uh, they are a much better team with him in transition. A lot of that has to do with just Norman Powell himself. They play a tick faster. Um, overall, they're just having another plus defender on, on the court. They're, they play better. Uh, according to Cleaning the Glass, if you run the uh, – the numbers, they've got 395 total possessions so far with Norm Powell uh, in, what, six games. They've got a plus 9.8 differential. Now, massive caveat because four of those games are against bottom feeders, uh, two games against good teams. So uh, we'll, we'll see some normalization, but I'll tell you the uh, Lillard, McCollum, Powell, Covington, Nurkic lineup, which we'll talk about here a little bit more has been nothing short of absolutely spectacular. Uh, if you look at uh, Powell on the floor, they, they pretty much touch everything. 
the only thing that really they struggle with so far is they're letting teams shoot maybe a little bit better than, than they should. And that's, I think it's some normalization stuff uh, and they're fouling. Um, but I think some of that is, is again, short term noise. Um, Powell's good. Uh, we saw it uh, in the Clippers game uh, as Lillard struggled. McCollum did his normal McCollum thing. Um, had a quarter and then, well, he was just kind of there. Powell's the was the guy that stirred the drink. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with his ability to attack off the bounce. And that is something the Blazers have desperately needed for, for seven years. Just going back, the last time the Blazers had somebody who could effectively create off the bounce at all levels alongside Damian Lillard was probably Mo Williams. So, yeah, it's been a while. Um, overall, I've been I've been thrilled with Powell. Um, I, I know some people are like, well, it's another six three six four guard. Da 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 da. My take has been he's a better version of Gary Trent Jr. He's longer. He's more explosive. He's currently more developed for sure. Um, I. I don't know if Portland's going to regret trading Gary Trent Jr. I don't know if Gary's going to be a breakout player. I've always thought he's going to be good. I always thought he was starter caliber. I don't know if he'll get quite to Norm Powell's ability. And the thing about Norm is, is that ability to attack off the bounce and be a plus on-ball defender. Those are the two striking differences between uh, Powell and Gary Trent Jr. right now. Um, the other additions, uh, obviously we haven't seen them yet. Uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson on a 10-day. He's a guy that Blazers had to add uh, to get to the roster minimum. I have a real suspicion they're going to drag that out. Uh, they do have the ability to have him uh, rostered uh, as long as he clears here shortly. This is, again, the 7th. As long as he's rostered by the 9th, he would be playoff eligible. I don't think it necessarily is going to matter, but it's something to keep in, in, under consideration. Uh, same with T.J. Leaf, who they signed to a two-way deal, which, wow, those, a lot of those guys in that uh, 2017 draft first round are struggling. We'll, we'll call it struggling. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to look to do anything else besides that. For everybody wondering why they, they would add these guys or why they didn't get LaMarcus, well, let's roll back here real quick why they didn't get LaMarcus. The Nets told them they'd start him. So, good luck, Portland, matching that. And they could legitimately offer a, a title shot. Uh, the Bucks, as much as they struggle defensively, they have so much more overwhelming firepower uh, offensively that they have the capability to just murder teams in that regard and, and playoff matchups in isolation and pick and roll. Uh, and guys have kind of slotted into their roles. Um, and LaMarcus is a guy that can pick up some slack. And as much as Portland wants to pretend that they're in that same boat, they aren't. So they couldn't offer the same things competitively, nor could they offer the playing time. Uh, that kind of runs the gamut for all of their um, buyout acquisitions. Um, they couldn't guarantee any playing time this time around. They couldn't uh, say, hey, we're a title contender or we're going to make a deep run because they haven't shown they can beat anybody. And so with that, let's roll it back and take a look at really these last couple games uh, against teams that are actually good. Uh, the Blazers have gotten housed. That's that's as close as you can call it. And I think it's becoming very evident that there's a dividing line between 
the good, better, best levels uh, in the NBA. The Blazers are good. And then there's better teams, and there's the best teams. I'm not sure if Milwaukee and the Clippers are in the better or best tier. I have a feeling that Utah and Phoenix are teams that are actually playing in the best tier. I think the Clippers have the potential to, as do the Bucks, and the Bucks have been have been playing better, especially Giannis. Um, and the Clippers, maybe they the Blazers now operate as a get right game for them. I don't know, but I do know that Portland is in for a rude awakening, not only in the playoffs, but here closing at this regular season with an incredibly difficult schedule where, and I'm not even talking about the 47-point first quarter against the Clippers. It's just a consistent level of effort defensively that's been missing um, throughout games. And a lot of people have talked about the, the, the clutch defense, right? I don't know how much you can really extrapolate that because – that stuff doesn't really pan out over games. Yes, in a high leverage situation, they've they've done well. And I think offensively, that's obviously Damian Lillard. Defensively, a lot of that has been Robert Covington making individual great plays. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. has had a couple of those as well. Uh, they're, they're, it's, that's not something you can sit there and go, oh, you know, in the clutch, the Blazers' defense really clamps down as a team, as a unit. They're communicating. They're on a string. You know, their, their coverage is everybody's on the same page. It's... Because a lot of times in those late-game situations, it's mismatch hunting. hunting. And to Terry Stotts' credit in these instances, a lot of these times, he's getting the negative defenders off the floor. So previously it was Rodney Hood and uh, Carmelo and Cantor. Now it's really just Melo and Cantor. Those guys are being pushed off the floor for the most part, and they're going with a smaller unit, especially now with, with Norman Powell back, or into the fold, the Dame, C.J. Powell, uh, Covington, and... Uh, they haven't really closed much with Nurkic, but they've they've tinkered with a few things. We've seen Nasir close a couple. Um, they've gone with Derek Jones Jr. And they've had Melo out there for a few instances, offense, defense, substitutions. But the four-man uh, lineup is Dame, CJ, Norm, uh, Covington, and then the fifth is kind of a uh, as-needed situation. But the extrapolation of that doesn't really play out. So... Looking at that and trying to project that forward, I don't think that does a lot for you. In the same instance that projecting Damian Lillard's uh, clutch time production doesn't really project forward. He's not going to shoot 85% of the season. He's not going to be in this 100th percentile of production over you know, 36 minutes a night. That's just not how this works. So while it's nice, and it has certainly helped them win games, using that as some sort of measuring stick I don't think that's going to do them any good as far as trying to piecemeal things and, and, and put it together to where you're like, oh, that's our building block. That's that's just not going to work. All right, but let's get to the meat of this. And it's not just the Clippers game. It's not just the Bucks game. It's the entirety of, of what we've really kind of seen transpire this entire season, which is this team has struggled without McCollum and, and Nurkic uh, particularly in playmaking aspects, but defensively, I mean, that's the understatement of the year, right? But, and again, this it's going to be small sample size, theater, caveat to hell, but you're looking for something to build on. You're looking, you're squinting, you're trying to figure things out, right? You look at those lineups, or look at the lineup with Norman Powell and Yusuf Nurkic on the floor. It's 190 possessions. They are plus 17. 
more importantly, defensively, they're giving up 100 points per 100 possessions. That would put them in the 99th percentile. And the caveats here, obviously, I can hear you guys out there yelling, but it was against crappy teams. Yes, it was. So if you're taking a look and you're trying to extrapolate these things, you're trying to draw some conclusions at these things, is it the same as doing that against good to great teams? No, it's not. Not in the least bit. But is it better than what this team has currently done? Is it better than the 29th best defense? Yeah. Is it better than the 20th best defense? Yeah. Is it more than above middle of the road? Probably. Probably. And I think that is such a massive step in the right direction that you don't want to just go, ah, you don't, you don't want to hit it with the with the Drake, right? You don't want to put your hand up and turn away and then ah, point to it. No, listen, yeah, I'm nearly 40 making these awful references. Just try to keep up, man. It's, it's late at night, and I'm trying to find a silver lining here somewhere with a team that just lures you back in, and you're like, ah, I can see. No, but. In this regard, they do play better. They do pass the eye test. They do look better. Here's the the, the Blazers-centric, uh, you know, punch to the gut. The guy backstopping it all in use of Nurkic can't stay healthy. And now I'm going to go overarching theme here real quick on, on use of Nurkic. The Blazers can't trust him. They can't. They can't trust his health. And that is a major, major, major issue because as good as C.J. McCollum is, they have proven that they can be successful and do things well enough missing him, missing his production and filling in. That is an easier thing to cover up for than the giant seven-foot gaping hole of a rim protector. Because they are so porous. They not only allow more shots at the rim, they allow everybody to shoot, was it second or third most effective at the rim. So, ton of attempts, incredibly high finishing rate. Guess what? You're going to get run out of the gym, and you're going to have guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo go 18 of 18. And don't sit here and talk about coaching. Da, 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 da. They don't have the horses to match up with those guys. If you've got Ennis Cantor and Yontis, or, and uh, Carmelo Anthony trying to check those guys, if you've got Yusuf Nurkic trying to check those guys and he gets rolling, he's all-world. He's a two-time reigning MVP. They don't have the big-bodied wings who can compete with those guys. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis. You're going to see it over and over and over again. Those guys are going to haunt this Blazers team. Now, they can be better than they've been, but I don't see them winning either of those games by virtue of junking up a defense. I, I really don't. But I, I digress because that stuff, it, it, it's, it's neither here nor there because the bigger it overarching issue is Yusuf Nurkic's inability to stay healthy is going to be this team's ultimate demise. Or it's going to force them to make some pretty serious changes because right now they can't go into games without or with knowing or knowing that Yusuf Nurkic is going to be there. Right now, as, we're, as I'm recording this, he's questionable heading into the Jazz game. So even if he plays, how many minutes is he going to play? He hasn't broken 20 minutes since he came back. So what are they going to do for his minutes? Is he going to be on minutes restriction again? How impactful can he be? How much can you rely on him? Can you 
play him in shorter spurts? Do you hold him back until the fourth quarter? How does he match up against Gobert? Is he going to be 100%? Like all of these things, you can't consistently be asking yourself this going into a game night in, night out. Say what you want about Enes Cantor. His baseline is here. It stays here. And that's, listen, it just it only spikes. I mean, it's dropped down below that, that baseline twice, maybe three times this entire season in 50 games. He's the only Portland Trailblazer who has appeared in every single game. He has been that steady rock for this team. Now, he has obvious holes and 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 shortcomings in his game. There's no doubt about that. That's for damn sure. But there's something to be said about that whole availability. Uh, I'm not going to do the whole best availability or best ability is availability. I guess I just did. But it's somewhat true, especially with this team, where outside of Damian, oh, the single most important player is that guy. The The ball moves better. The ball stops <laughs> more effectively defensively. Uh, the pick and rolls are better. The screening is better, both on ball and off ball. The uh, lineup spacing is better because they can run a true five out like it's so many different things that he does and that they can do with him that they just can't do with anybody else. They can't replicate it with anybody else. And as we saw in the Clippers game, without him, to be that release valve as that secondary playmaker playing four on three, making the right decisions. I guess the studio's not entirely set up yet. Uh, <laughs> but without that, you can see exactly how problematic things can be when those aren't those options aren't available as that short roll playmaker is somebody who's not only going to get down to the rim and finish hopefully but work as a playmaker facilitator or draw the secondary defender delay reverse to the backside have the vision to find the backdoor cutter look for the guy on the lob they just they just don't have that CJ is going to take that ball and he's going to look to score maybe make that one little pass that little drop off pass that dump pass the um, little look here or there. What is going to be different is when you've got Nurk in there with that size, the ability to see over defenses, the, to the, the passing vision, the playmaking ability, what it does for them offensively and how they can explore their entire offense with him out there. Without him out there, you run a trap that teams are more than willing to have Robert Covington shoot Six, seven, eight, nine, ten threes. Even if he's hitting them, they're okay with that. They're okay with Ennis Cantor going five of eight. They're okay with him getting a few offensive rebound putbacks and having a 13 point, 15 rebound game. Like, they, they, as long as Damian Lillard is not a high efficiency, high usage player, they don't care because they know that that playmaking ability is not there without an arc. It's, it's not a secret. Everybody's like, oh, they've been doing this for years. We, we, they, they have, they, they haven't been able to figure it out. They don't, they don't have a guy who can make the plays. That's the issue. They don't have that guy unless Yusuf Nurk is on the floor. Now, I will say this: going back to Norman Powell, Norman Powell has shown that he can be somewhat that guy. Not only that, he can get downhill, get to the rim, and put a pressure on a defense and get to the free throw line. That is a massive massive change from what they've had in the past. So the big question is, can this team compete without use of Nurkic? And honestly, I don't know. When you take a look at this team, 
and the shortcomings it has, it has a use if Nurkic shaped hole. Like it's just, it does. And even though he's not the best center in the league, he's, he covers what they need him to cover and they just don't have anybody to replicate what he can do. Can this team be competitive? I don't know. What's your definition of competitive, right? Can they beat up on 500 or below teams? Yeah, they've done that all season basically without him. Can they compete with teams that are actually above them in the standings? No. No, they can't. Not without him. Um, hell, I played against the Bucks and they had him and they couldn't compete. So, I don't know. It's it's a really weird place. And it's going to be a much, much shorter podcast than normal because, one, there's a game tomorrow. Two, I need to get back in the groove of things. And three... Um, I don't know much longer I can do this without a, a puppy coming in here and, and going crazy because it's getting late at night. But projecting this forward for the Jazz game and pretty much all the games remaining that are above 500, the, the teams above them in the in the standings, one win here or there isn't going to change my mind about this team at all. They, they are very much they're, – they're Denny Green, right, at this point. They are – they are who we thought they were. They're a good team, but they can't compete right now because they don't compete on the defensive end. They don't have the ability to move the ball from one side to the other. They don't have the natural playmakers. Can they get better? Yes. But it has to start with being competitive, and I, I just I am not going to listen to – whether it's Dame, whether it's CJ, whether it's Nurk, whether it's Stotts, I just don't care. I'm, I am not going to sit here and listen to the, uh, we know what we got to do. Just shut up and do it. Like, it's it's so it's so tired. We're 50 games into the season now. Like, it's, it has reached the point of, just get it done, man. I, I, I don't want to hear about it anymore. I, I'm so sick and tired of, Five years into this Dame CJ backcourt of the same issues being there, and we just need to figure. It's just, I'm I'm done. I am so done in that regard. Just to to just go this way. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Like I, and I'm hoping the addition of Norm Powell coming from a culture that the, the Raptors have and their dedication to defense. Maybe that helps a little bit. Maybe that helps enough. I don't necessarily buy into that a ton, but maybe he can get some guys on the same page. Maybe he can get them to, to compete at a different level. Maybe he can say, hey, listen, if you actually want to compete, if you want to be on that main stage, this is how you do it. And that I think I can believe in a little bit more. But uh, I guess I just want to kind of wrap it up here uh, with the whole idea of winning a game against the Jazz tomorrow night, uh, winning on the road, as great a win as it would be, it would be very much like the Lakers game was the third or fourth game of the season. It's a nice win. Sure, it's you want to boop, you know, put that feather in your cap. Ultimately, it doesn't mean a damn thing. It doesn't. It's just a win. You've got to show that you can compete regularly with these teams. And they haven't been able to compete regularly. They've gotten housed by the Clippers twice. Gotten blown out by the Bucs. Just absolutely smoked, rolled, and just put away. Uh, They need not just one, but they need a handful of signature wins if they're going to ramp up for a playoff push. Otherwise, it's going to be a one-and-done kind of situation. And then, a question here from at Credence26, what does Terry need to do to remain the Blazers coach? they got to win at least a round. If they don't win around hell, they may win around and they still may make a change. 
because that 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 smoke's no not that that not that like hazy stuff in the distance anymore. You can see the black clouds. You can see them forming. And if they struggle in the playoffs, or God heaven forbid, they have something happen where they get in a play-in game situation, there's going to be wholesale changes. And maybe that's what's needed. And I'm not just talking about thoughts. I'm talking about the the roster. I'm talking up and down. And but I just I know that. For them to be able to run it back, they absolutely have to win a series. They have to. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. But uh, I'm going to wrap it up here. Again, sorry, it's a shorter pod. Maybe a lot of you like that. I don't know. And I was straight talking, rambling a little bit. But it's just there's a lot going on in the head right now. Let me go ahead and tell you. Uh, don't suggest getting married, moving, and getting a puppy during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> that'll uh, that'll that'll scramble your your eggs a little bit. That's that's for sure. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't change it for anything. Uh, as as weird and, and crazy as things have been, uh, I've I've never been happier. <laughs> I'm sure that's conveyed clearly here in the podcast. But I do want to take a minute and say thank you guys for sticking with me, uh, for supporting, uh, for reaching out, for uh, yelling at me, for uh, agreeing with me, for thinking I'm the dumbest person on the face of the planet. I don't care. Like I, I, that's that's not true. I do care. That's that much is is evident. But thank you, thank you for the bottom of my heart. Uh, this has been fun, and I'm I'm happy to be back. And, and this will be back to doing weekly, probably more than weekly. Um, but again, like, rate, review, subscribe, share. Um, my DMs are always open on Twitter at Danny Morang at D Morang on Instagram. Um, follow for all of the basketball and puppy content, that's for sure. Uh, but until next week, guys, or until the next pod, I should say, because I'll be back here uh, in just a few days when they wrap up this trip and this weekend. And uh, we'll see where things sit and how just wildly wrong I was. Uh, we'll catch you then. Take care. Bye. <laughs>